have a few photos just from the men's camp behind us just scrolling. Oh, we just, I came back this morning. A group of us came back. We drove at 4.30 from Amanus to get you in time to set up and get going. But the men have had an incredible weekend. We have been blessed with amazing ministry, and God just met with us. We've had a wonderful time of worship. God is shaping men, and I want to say we are excited to see what God has got for us as a community. If you did not go... Don't worry, just jump in on the momentum that God has. God is doing new things in this church, and he's taking us further and deeper into what he's called us to. So very exciting times. And as those photos go on behind me, just to stress even a little bit more, tonight, Julian Adams is an incredible gift, a gift that we recognize as a prophet. He in, in, came to the life of our church last year, April, for a whole weekend. This weekend, he's just coming just for one night. We're only advertising it now because we didn't know he was coming. He knew, he prophesied it to himself, but didn't tell anyone else. He knew, I will be at Life Changers, but we didn't know. Communication. But uh, no, he told us on Thursday, he said, guys, I'm in town. We're like, come party with us. So we're very excited tonight. If you can make it, bring friends. God speaks very clearly, and, and we receive a gift like this with, uh, with faith in our hearts. So those are two really big things, exciting moments that are happening in the life of our church, and it's good to be here. We're in the middle of a series through the book of Ephesians. We've just looked, we, we, well, not really the middle, we're just at the beginning of it. We just just stepping into it, but but God, a series on the book of Ephesians. So if you've been reading Ephesians, can you just give us a wave, just if you've read at least even one verse, and if you haven't, don't worry, it's always this week, you can get into it, don't feel condemned, but let's turn to the book of Ephesians, while we're getting set up here. (coughs) As you got your finger in the book of Ephesians, I want to just give us a backdrop this morning of what what I'm going to be taking us into a little bit deeper, and I'm very excited. Just, uh, if that's nothing new, I'm always excited, but very excited this morning. Genesis chapter 1 begins with this incredible phrase that says, and God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amazing, profound, and I want us to understand that this happened at simultaneous moments. God created the heavens and the earth, and his whole design was to have heavens and the earth under his authority and under our authority both the heavens and the earth. What happens? God did that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and he moves to verse 27 and 28, where he makes man, he fashions man in his own image, mankind. He creates man and woman. And there's harmony, there's peace, there's unity, there's such love, there's divine purpose together in what God has called them to. There's not one lesser and no one greater. They both have been called. They both get given the promise of God in 1 verse 28, which says, here is dominion. God gives man and woman authority over the planet. He gives them authority. This incredible chapter which starts out, explodes what we and you and I have come into. Genesis chapter 1 is known as God's original intent. If you ever wonder what's God's plan for your life, go back to the beginning. It's a good place to start. Genesis chapter 1. What God has breathed into us. Whenever I lose vision, whenever I lose purpose, I go to Genesis chapter 1 because that is God's first word to me. First word to you and I. But then what happens in Genesis chapter 3, a story we're probably all too familiar with, is in Genesis chapter 3, things go wrong. Man allows Satan to come, the second preacher to come and start preaching a little louder than God and starts to shake things up. And from that moment, when man sinned and allowed Satan to invade his reality, to shrink his reality, where God had given him a planet and he let it shrink down to just the fruit, to what he could taste, see, touch, what he could handle, what he could understand... Mankind moved from a heaven and earth existence and understanding that we were meant to rule and reign heaven and earth dimensions. And chapter 3 says, and because of the curse of the fall, you will toil the soil. You'll toil the earth till the ends of your days. 
Chapter 3 ends in saying, and you from dust you are formed and dust you will return. Man's existence goes, comes crashing down because we chose the lesser. We chose to settle. Instead of a heaven and earth reality that was opened up and given to us as part of our inheritance, man was condemned to just an earth reality. Knowing the pains and struggles of this earth and only just touching at a glimpse and knowing there, might be, there must be something more. The question that's in most people's hearts. There must be something more. But we were meant to rule and reign in this authority. What happens after that is Genesis chapter 4, brother kills brother, they leave the garden. The first thing that happens out of the garden is Cain kills Abel, brother kills brother, chaos comes out. Division comes in man and woman. Chapter 3 says the relationship of man and woman that was in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, that was the original design for marriage God had in his heart, where there was no strife, no striving and competition. Genesis chapter 3, the curse comes and says, woman, you will want to have dominion over your husband, but he will rule over you. All of a sudden, things change, and division and control and manipulation and fighting starts to come into relationship that God has created. Everything goes into chaos. As things, the heaven and earth pictures lost, all we can see is what we can see in front of us. Thank God. But God comes into it, and Ephesians tells us, the book of Ephesians is here to tell us what God has won back for us. What Jesus Christ, the man, Jesus Christ, won for you and I. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, it says this. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. The book of Ephesians goes on. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, talks about how this, this division of mankind, where brothers killing brother, where women and man are fighting against each other. Ephesians 2 says the dividing wall of hostility that had been erected by mankind. Jesus Christ enters that story and rips it down. Genesis, Ephesians chapter 1 says heaven and earth has been brought once again under Christ and given back to mankind. Not just earth, but a heaven and earth dimension. Chapter 2 says our relationships, because of this dynamic change, when we understand that who we are, that we are first and foremost spiritual people, not just physical here and now people, when we understand the dimension that we are spiritual people, relationships start to come into sync again. God says the dividing wall is down, male and female can come, to, uh, there's no longer male and female, slave uh, nor free, Greek nor Jew, unity starts to happen in the church. And we land in Ephesians 3 verse 10, which says, and now through the church, this manifold wisdom of Christ will be made known. Authority is handed back to who? The church, the very people who gave it up in the first place. Welcome to the book of Ephesians and what God's going to do with us this morning. I want to tell you very strongly this morning that the book of Ephesians is all about a rewiring of us, a rewiring of the church. It's reshaping the way we believe because what I said last week and what we'll say next week and the week after and the week after is that right believing leads to right behaving, not the other way around. The world condition us. The world is trying to sell to the church that you, if you get earth right, then we'll get heaven. But Ephesians says, no, no, no. You are a spiritual person first. If we understand our position that we have been given heaven and earth realities, it's a top-down gospel as Mark preached in the first week of the series. It's not something that we're trying to earn our way to God and get His approval. It's something He gave from us from heaven to earth. Heaven invades earth. When we start believing right, the way we start walking changes. Religion says, do, do, do. Jesus says, done, done, done. It's a whole new way of looking things. This is a new book, and I want to say that one more time, that what you believe is what you manifest. 
What you believe is what you manifest. I said it last week, but I'll give these same illustrations to help push it deep in our hearts. That if a little boy in his, in his room really believes that there's a monster in the closet, no matter how hard you try and tell him, explain him, no, he will manifest fear. What he believes, he manifests. If a, an awkward teenager believes he's got that pimple pulsating on his face, no matter how many times you tell him, don't worry, no one's actually caring, he will manifest inadequacy and, and self-consciousness. And it will be awkward around people and trying to hide that thing. What you believe, you manifest. And if a church believes that they're just poor, just lowly sinners trying to make it through this earth existence to hopefully claw our way to heaven one day, can I tell you what we will manifest? A poor and lowly existence. What you believe is what you manifest. It's good to see you all. Very cool. Good to be here. I want to tell us this morning that the Bible tells us, the Bible and the book of Ephesians, Paul tells the church of Ephesus, they tell, he emphasizes these things, that we are not just merely Gnostic people and we're not merely ascetic people. Let me explain what those are. Gnosticism came into the church where they started believing that this earth, this was just temporary, this is rubbish, this is all going to burn, so who really cares about this life now? All we do in the way it manifests in the churches, all we really care about is just do you have your fire insurance for heaven? Have you, have you repented? Have you prayed this in a prayer, brother? Have you like prayed this thing as some thing and done something and oh, then you're safe? You're okay. Then who really cares about what happens here and now? And then ascetic thinking is on the other side where it's just all about here and now. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. We build up things here. We want to build a bigger church building. We want to build, get the biggest church now because what, what happens now on this earth really matters. But the Bible says we know, it's not an either or reality. The Bible says that we are 100% physical right now. Believe it or not, you exist right now. Wow. Profound stuff, eh? Give yourself a pinch. I'm real. But I want to tell you that also 100% you are a spiritual being. If you are found in Christ, you are spiritually alive. Your spirits have been made new. You are alive spiritually. 100%. This is so huge because Jesus died not just as a man, to give us a better life now, and he did not just die as God to give us a better life in the future. He collided the two and brought heaven and earth together. He died as 100% man and 100% God. That's called hypostatic union. He lived as a man. He went to the toilet. He took a shower, if they had plumbing in those days. But he did what we did. If he was alive today, he would have supported Liverpool. <laughs> Pretty sure about it. He told me that last night. But I tell you, he was a man, flesh and blood. But I tell you, he, was, he said, I only do what my father, my father and I are one. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. He was 100% God at the same moment. Profound because it changes everything. He doesn't just hand us a better earth existence. He doesn't change the church and say, just get people to heaven. He says, heaven and earth are yours. Profound. Right believing leads to right behavior. Where it took one man to shrink it down, Adam shrunk it down, our church existence, our whole existence, just to the small, the containable, Monday to Friday, can I make it through? Will my budget line up? Will, will I be all right? Will work be okay? Do, is there a new job for me? What's going to happen tomorrow? Stressing about things here and now, which are all real problems, and I'm not pushing them aside. They're real things. But when man just shrunk it just down to that equivalent, just to that notion, it took one man, one man is obedience, Jesus Christ, to step in the gap and win it back for us, all back. And what Christ wins, he wins back entirely. We're getting to Ephesians, don't worry. I tell you that you and I were created to know both realms. 
This must, might make you feel a bit uncomfortable, but you and I were created to know both realms, heaven and earth, now. I hope this shakes us a little bit this morning. I hope it might stir something, but I'm hungry for the fullness of God. And Ephesians promises me that. It says, you have been given fullness in Christ Jesus, and I will not settle until life changes this family run into the fullness that God has for us. Is that all right? Everyone okay? Good, good. Thank you. I want to tell you, the problem is the world often seems more spiritual than the church. The world are looking. They've got spiritual insight. They're reading tarot cards. They're looking. They know there's something more, but some of the church are like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get weird on me. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, thank you. We are relaxed. Please, please, please. I want to know. I don't want to be weird. I just want to have my religion in the box. I can tick the box and know what to do next. I just need, it becomes a little doorman for us. When actually God said, no, no, heaven and earth. Not just an earth, dust, what, what's the best you can do reality. He gives us everything. And I want to say, one famous preacher said that if the Holy Spirit was removed from the church today, 90% of its activities would just carry on as normal. And that scares me. And I think it's time. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, was shaking the church, trying to get them to understand that they have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what our aim is, what we are doing here on earth, it's never more clear than in the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our mission. Christ prayed his will. You say, what's, my, what's God's will for my life? The general will for all of us. God has a specific calling for each of us that's a unique, but he has a general call for his church to bring heaven to earth. The problem is, a lot of us don't know what heaven looks like. We haven't tasted the spiritual activity of God. We've just known only what we can taste, touch, and see, and what we can control. And God's saying, church, will you understand that you are a spiritual people? First and foremost, you are a spiritual people. This quote says this, the history of the church is full of such radicals, men and women of no reputation, who impacted their respective day by dwelling in the transcendent realm of heaven. Let's get to our scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I want to entice you, I want to draw you in a little bit, I want to put deep truth in our hearts that will shape us for the journey ahead. God has got us on a journey and the destination is the Father and the fullness of His presence. Verse 3 says this, One that you should learn off by heart. All praise to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. The NIV says because we are in Christ. I love that verse. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. The word blessing has become so earthly that in the church we've adopted it and it's become this little catchphrase where we say, oh, bless you, brother. What is that? It's not, I'm not saying don't, you can do it if you want to, but it just, it just minimizes the word blessing. We go, oh, bless, oh, bless you. It's really good to see you. Bless you. I'm praying blessings upon you. Really? It's like this weak, mediocre word. When Paul opens with this in his grand, his grand treaty to the church at Ephesus, the book that's been called the treasure house of the Bible, the bank of believers, he opens with this line. You've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. What are these spiritual blessings? 
That's the question we've got to ask. We've got to say, if we've been given it, I want to know what I've been given. I want to be know what I've been given. And the church, though, are ignorant. We've been too ignorant for too long. We're just going on earth reality. What? Just give me strength for tomorrow. When God's going, no, no, I'm giving you heaven and earth realities. Every spiritual blessing. We've got to start asking good questions. I'm equipping us this morning. I hope we're okay for that. This is not, we're not, not no time for molly coddling. We've got an army. We've, we're moving forward. God's calling us. There's no time for cheap stories this morning. Is that all right? Good, thank you. I said it last week, but I want to say it again because I really felt it was brilliant and I didn't get a big enough amen last week. So feel free to give it an amen. But the Bible says, the old has gone, the new has come. We are a new creation. Thank you, Harry. I love it. Very good. I've been watching Pentecostal preachers. Oh, they get going. If anyone's got a handkerchief, I can do that now. He says, the old has gone, the new has come, I am a new creation. I said it last week, but I want to emphasize it again. The Bible says the new has come. And we go, yes, new has come. But we often will take that word, and the one Greek option is the word neos, which means upgrade. The old is gone, and we have been upgraded. Neos. I had an I-10. Someone phoned me and said, Mr. Phillips, the I-20 is available for you. Upgrade. Bigger and better. Yay, more boot space. Or you have your Blackberry. And you're going, wow, the battery life is so useless. God, what am I going to do about it? And someone phones and says, Mr. Phillips, your iPhone 5 is available. I'm prophesying right there. iPhone 5, available. (laughs) Upgrade. The old is gone, the upgrade has come. Yay, the new and better improved. But the good news is the Bible doesn't use neos. It uses a word called kairos, the Greek, which means brand, spanking, new, never been seen before. The old is gone, the new has come. Why this is profound is we have to understand that you and I were spiritually dead. As Trevor Noah said, dead, dead, dead. Not a glimmer of hope. You weren't once a good person who watched Oprah and tried to follow her regimes and her diets, and now you found Christ, which, oh, extra benefit. No, you were dead. You had no way of getting to God except for the God-man, Jesus Christ, rushing into your life, ripping out your dead heart, doing CPR on you and pulling out your dead, unbelieving heart and putting a new heart in. You and I, spiritual blessing number one that I said last week, but you and I have a new nature. The old is gone, the brand spanking new has come. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. This is profound. You are not Nick 2.0. You're not a new and improved version who's just put bandages on holding myself together. I'm just trying to hold myself together. No, the Bible says you have a new nature. Not yin and yang, not an old nature and a new nature. Which one will win out today? Will my old habits or my new habits win out? No, you believe that we've been given. The Bible says blessed in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Past tense, it's already been done. Inheritance, done. Provided for. He's not taking it back. He's given you a new nature, his nature. That's why Paul no longer addresses us as sinners. Every book that Paul writes, eight out of the 11 books he writes, he starts with, to you holy and blameless ones, the faithful and true. So I look at the, I look at the, the evidence of some of the churches and the church of Corinth were nothing but faithful. No, anything but faithful. Sorry, anything but Faithful. Anything but faithful. They were not holy in all. There was one guy who took us to such extreme thought as a spiritual thing had become all Gnostic, Gnosticism as full as heart and thought spiritual if he slept with his mother-in-law. That's who Paul was writing to, that church, who were in chaos. And Paul starts, 
So the church of Corinth, holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. Because why he was not addressing the old man, he was addressing who they were because he knew that right believing leads to right behavior. He says, and I could have, do you want me to come with a stick? No, he says, no, but I come with the grace of Christ Jesus. We need to understand, I might not be living like it, but this is who I am, and if we start believing who we are, we start behaving right. It's called the gospel, the good news. Not okay news, not uh, sort of nice news. It's good news. Thank you, God. I want to tell you this, that we have been given new identities. Our passports here on this earth are temporary. Good news for you and I. Our passports are temporary. One day, the Bible said, inheritance to come is that we have a new home that's awaiting for us, calling us, beckoning us onwards and upwards in Christ Jesus. That we, all these things around us, we don't gather things around us and, and hope that one day hold, the death, hold on to this earth because God says, I've given you a heavenly reality in the future as well. But I tell you, our passports are temporary, but our identities, our IDs in Christ are permanent. The Bible says he's given us a new spirit. See, I've done a new thing. I've given you a new spirit. And here's something that's amazing for us that we'll, that we'll never get away from. Where did I write this? Oh, you've been given a new spirit. Is this. You and I, when we die, we're not getting another one. Whew. You've been given the fullness of Christ now. When you die, yes, you will get a glorified body. Inheritance to come. Thank goodness, I've already put my order in. Six-pack, coming on the way. I want to tell you that we are in a process, the Bible says, renewing of your mind, your soul realm. You'll be renewing that. But he says, the spirit realm, the spirit man inside of you, the one that calls Abba, Father, allows you to call on God, is all that you've been given, the fullness. And we have to know that God does not give half jobs. He does not give a, in measure, he gives fullness. The spirit you have is the fullness of what God has given you. We need to understand that this new spirit is holy, undefiled, and blameless in the sight. We were dead, disobedient, and doomed. But Colossians, the book of Colossians that I love so, so much, chapter 2 says this, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. I don't mean to be crude. But the Bible uses the word circumcision for an important reason. Because it wants us to know that this is, was a significant moment. I've never heard of, forgive me, but I've never heard of anyone being circumcised and then having that foreskin stitched back on. The Bible says the old is gone. The Bible says this. You were, it was cut away, your old nature. You do not inherit a new nature and you carry your old nature with you. But some of us want to believe that and believe that we still have this trailer full of junk behind us. The Bible says, done. Believe it. That foreskin is thrown away on a heap. Useless. Just, just the Bible. <laughs> just the Bible. Sorry, I'm just reading the Bible here for us. Verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ. Buried with Him. You and I were dead, disobedient, doomed. Ephesians 2 tells us that. It says, You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life. The word kairos appears again. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. 
I'm not making this up. The Bible says the cross is so powerful that it looms larger than your sinful nature. You might may, you may want to protest and say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I am disgusting. I'm debauched. I'm depraved. I'm saying, well, if you're in Christ Jesus, that's what you once were. Because I tell you, your sin is not bigger than the cross of my Savior. There is nothing. You cannot out the grace of God. If you think you're too far gone, I want to tell you, the man who wrote the book of Ephesians murdered Christians for a living. If you haven't murdered Christians yet, you're not too far gone. I'm not making light of your sin. I'm not making light of your thing. Jesus did not make light of your sin. It was such a big deal that he died for it. Completely. He did not die deaths in installments. He did not die death. Uh, maybe I'll finish this later. When, I, when, when, they get, when they get really obedient, no, he died once and for all so that dead people may come alive. Something that we have to understand, a friend of mine went to Australia and he went to a wild church, a church I can imagine was something like Corinth. There was crazy things. He said, oh, so he walked in, he said he felt like he was wearing a three-piece suit spiritually because he felt so constrained. He was like, what is going on? These guys are nutters. Maybe they were Australians. We'll forgive them. Any Australians here, please? I'm sorry. It's great to have you guys here. Really good to have you here. But um, during worship, things were going so wild. People were so enjoying God that the, a shoe came flying out the congregation at the worship leader. He ducked and carried on. Brad, my friend was going, what on earth is this? This thing's out of control. Not making a comment on that. Please don't throw your shoes. Keep them on. It's really helpful. But something that was profound was he got the, the guy who was leading the church got up a group of men afterwards who looked rugged and rough and tattooed and stained and, and smelling of... of, of of the world, and, and, and they came up, and he said, these men have got great testimonies, and gave them the mic, and these men proceeded to start weeping, and telling about God had saved them the week before, he said, I was dead, I was rubbish, he said, I was effing lost, I effing had nowhere else to go, but this, this grace is just so effing good to be true, and do you know what the church did, they cheered, and stood in their chairs going, yes, my friend sat there quietly going, Mm, mm, mm. swearing in church. And he, and he was uncomfortable. And afterwards, the pastor came and said, I, I see you were struggling there. I see you were, you were worried in that moment. But he said, you know what? You don't have, you don't have a stylistic problem here. You don't, you know, it's not like, oh, this is just not my type of church. He says, you have a theological problem. He says that you, if you really understood that these men last week were dead, and today they are alive, you wouldn't be too concerned about their swearing. If I, I've never been to a funeral, if I go to a funeral and someone leaps out of the coffin who was supposed to be dead, swearing like a trooper, I'm not going to go, come on, watch your language. <laughs> I'm going to be going, he's alive. He once was dead, he's now alive. We need to understand this truth deep inside. The Bible says it's the Spirit of God. He puts a new spirit in us, and as we start believing that we're alive, we start living like alive people. The swearing falls off. The things that, the things that holds back just fall off because we're becoming more like Him. We, we're enjoying the fullness of our salvation. Whom He saves, He saves completely. It's not my job to police your sin. I tell you, accountability has become a thing where the, the lowest form of accountability is policing each other's sin. Are you sinning at the moment? I tell you, most of you probably, yes. The Bible even says anything without faith is sin. So if, you, if you're living life without faith, well, welcome, you, you, you're sinning. 
But I tell you what, the highest, the best, highest level of accountability is calling people to who they are in Christ Jesus. Not calling to them who they're not. Are you living like a sinner still? No, you just start, we start calling out the greatness in it. You've been called a new creation. You're called a husband of God, a man who's called to lead his wife in faithfulness, in purity. You're a man with a destiny. You're a man who's going to lead people, hundreds to the Lord. That's the gospel. You're a man who's called to live with integrity in your business dealings. And you're going to do that, sir. You're going to be a man who sets a new standard for integrity and purity in the city. Your voice is going to become louder than you think it has ever been. Not by your actions, not because you're a brave heart man, not because you're going to be calling the world to a great new standard. You're calling them to a new standard because you're a new creation and he's putting a microphone, his voice, in front of yours. That's who you are. You're no longer a sinner. You're a son of the Most High God called to lead his daughter and to lead others into his kingdom. That's called accountability. I want to tell you, we've been given a new nature. The Bible, Paul says that we were slaves to sin. Slaves. Kisa, come here. I want to show you a quick illustration. It's my friend Kisa. Hello, everyone. Here he is. Looking good. You, can, you don't need your Bible. You can put it down. No, actually, you do. It's a test. No, I'm joking. What happens is the Bible says you're a slave to sin. In those days, a slave, I had this image. I woke up with this word picture. I was like, it makes it so good. If I say so myself. Um, the slave, they imagine, uh, imagine here they have a rope around his neck. So you've got to mime with me here. So when I pull you this way, where do you go? A slave, the sin master pulls. Come, come. And you have to follow. You have to follow. You've got a rope around your neck. You know? If I go come this way, you have to come that way. And you're falling all over yourself. And he's stumbling. And he's, because the, the, the law is pulling him. Go left, go right. You're a slave to sin. Do this. Look at porn. I, I just can't. I can't help myself. Don't be righteous in your dealings at work. Be harsh to your wife. I know. I just, I can't control my tongue. I just seem to always lash out. I'm just a sinner. I'm useless. Ah, oh, pulled left and right. But Paul says you were a slave to sin. He says now you are a slave to righteousness. You have a new master who's come with his new news. You're still a slave. You're still subjected to some sort of leadership. Christ has tied a new rope around your neck. And he says, we're going towards holiness. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm becoming more, you're going to be more like Jesus. Oh, yes, I am, because I'm a slave to righteousness. It's not a manipulation. It's not trying to force us. It's not trying to beat ourselves. It's just understanding I have a new nature, and my nature leads me to more godliness. Is that all right? Helpful stuff. He leads you by the hand. Sorry, that was the picture. Not around the neck. It's a bit harsh. Eh? He leads you by the hand. I did tell that to Fee, and she was like, hand, sorry. She remembered. First point is, we have a new nature. Second and final point. I'm, I have a new access. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I said it last week, I want to say it again, that we have come not to a Mount Sinai like Moses did that was filled with smoke and gloom and fire and the Ten Commandments and trying to bow and scrape our way up this mountain. Will we be enough? Only one man's allowed up there. Only one man's allowed up the mountain. The rest have to wait below as sinners and try and occupy ourselves so God speaks again to us. No, the Bible in Hebrew says you've not come to Mount Sinai of doom and gloom. You've come to Mount Zion of joyful assembly. 
where the city of God is built, where the church, he says, the same mountains talk about Isaiah, come up here, he says. A father calling us up, not a God shouting down. Paul says to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was so radical because he's saying he's not just anyone's father, not just Joe Bloggs' father, he was Jesus' father. As Paul says, this father, this father of Jesus, has, he's the one who's blessed us. If we understand that, we know that the same relationship Jesus had with his father, you and I can have with our heavenly father. The same relationship. Julian Adams last year said this, and it sounded like blasphemy when I first heard it, but it's been sitting and right believing, starts to have right manifestation in my life. I started to believe it. That I have right now, because I'm in Christ Jesus, the Ephesians is all about being in Christ, seated in Him, that I hold the same position in the Trinity as Christ Jesus does at this very moment. Just let that sit. Because the Bible talks about union, that now we are, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. He said, Christ God is with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. It's called union, inextricably linked. Never leaves us. It's profound. We have a new access. I want to tell you, Genesis 28 talks about Jacob's ladder. The man Jacob, he rose in the, into the wilderness. He's on the running. He's in an earth reality. He's just trying to fight debt. He's, he's ended up marrying a, an ugly girl that he didn't really want to marry. It's a long story. But shame for him. But then, and shame for her as well, I suppose. The Bible doesn't speak too kindly. He says she has dull eyes. Shame. He marries her. He's on the run from this other father-in-law who's angry and a brother who hates him. He's on the run. He gets to a place called Bethel and he lies on the floor and falls asleep. God meets him. Heaven meets with his earth reality as he's on the run. And God gives him a vision of a ladder going up to heaven, from earth to heaven. And it says on this ladder, God is at the top and there's angels ascending and descending on this ladder. Wow, exciting. I met with God in this place. But what's amazing is in John chapter 1, when Jesus arrives on the scene, he says to Nathaniel, he says, Nathaniel, you'll see even greater things than these. He says, you will see that on the Son of Man, you'll see the Son of Man being lifted up, and on him, angels will ascend and descend into the heavenly realms. Jesus was saying, I am Jacob's ladder. I am the way to heavenly realms. I'm the way to access of the heavenly realms, the fullness of God, the full blessings that he has for us. Jesus is saying, I am the way. Not a ladder erected by man. Have you done your 10 steps of godliness today? Have you done your Bible reading? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you turned left? Have you given enough offerings? Have you been at church enough? Have you attended home group? No, it's not this thing. It's not seven spiritual laws. It's one. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the direct access to the Father. If I have him, I have everything. Fullness in Christ Jesus means fullness in God. Colossians chapter 2. And you have been given fullness. This is profound because it smashes this notion. The church is this word, that buzzword, open heavens. Ooh, exciting. Quick, run over there. There's an open heaven over that church. We've got to get there. Or if you really read this book, there just seems to be an open heaven over me. Can I tell you something? The heavens have never been shut. Ever since Jesus died, the Bible says the heavens were torn open and God never closed them again. It was like that old game of children at, at, at school, children used to play, called open gates. The one little guy would go and he'll squirm his way through and someone would yell, open gates! And everyone else gets to run in. Jesus got through and he yelled, open gates. Open season for access to the Father. Everything that's in heaven is ours as an inheritance now. 
because of Jesus. Open heavens exist over every single one of you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you're a believer here today, the heavens are open above you. You might be saying, but God seems silent on me. You may say, but God, it seems like the heavens are shut over me, shut over my emotions. I just can't break through. I, I feel limited in my finance. I feel limited in my capacity to love my wife. I feel limited to submit as a, a wife to my husband. I feel limited because it just seems the heavens are shut. Can I tell you that's a lie from the enemy? The heavens are open. Resources available. The ladder has been erected for you to go and get whatever resource you need from heaven. His name is Jesus. You do not need another secret. The Paul whispered to the Colossians, who are people, a Gnostic people, who are desperate for what's the extra secret. And they started having extra th- festivals and extra things, adopting other cultures, trying to make this Jesus thing a little bit more, maybe something more. Paul said, I want to tell you what the mystery is. He says, the mystery, do you want to know the mystery of all spirituality? Yes, yes. He said, the mystery is this. The secret hidden for years past that angels long to look in is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory, full stop. Christ in you. He is our access. He is our open heaven right now. He's, the, he's breaking things over our hearts right now. I believe God is breaking over unbelief in our hearts, shaking. Some of you singing and you're wrestling with things saying, this is just, this feels a bit weird. I just want my four points on how to live my life better. Sorry, I have one. His name is Jesus Christ. I hope it makes you uncomfortable, but I feel unbelief is being shattered over us. There's couples, a new day comes as we start understanding that we have a new heart, we new access. We don't speak about our husbands the way we always have. He's just an idiot. Your father's a fool. Well, if he's in Christ Jesus, we start to have to address him as who he is, not who he was. And when we start addressing with right believing, right behavior follows. Just some thoughts. I want to tell you, Ephesians goes on, talks about Ephesians 3, verse 16, and 3, verse 8, if you want to go read them. But I wrote here, if you need more grace, if you need more patience, if you need more forgiveness for your spouse, for your boss, for your kids, the resources of heaven are full and available to you now. And you have access to that. Rory Dyer tells a story. He says his father owns this massive garage on the halfway point between Joburg and Durban. He owns all the stairs, all the all the the place around them, they've got the storeroom at the back full of chips, Cokes, all the goodies that stock these stop shops. Rory walks in as a little boy, a young boy, his dad's in his big office, and his dad wasn't there. But one of the managers saw him and said, hey, uh, Rory, Rory, come, 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 come. Your dad's not here, but, but he said, come. He said, you must come with us on your journey through here. Bring your friends, come. And the, the manager walked him through the back rooms past the, the way everyone else was allowed to go. The way only he could go is a son of the owner. Walked him into the back storeroom and said, hey, you, know, you and your friends, your dad said you can take whatever you want. You can just raid the storeroom, take it for your journey. That's a picture of Christ leading us into the Father's storerooms and saying, take whatever you want. You can go where others can't go. Where you feel that grace is up on your life, where grace is up on your marriage, I can't face Monday. God says the heavens are full for you. Resources available. And the only access point is Jesus Christ. Right believing leads to right behavior. What do we believe is what we manifest. I tell you, the lie, that God, the, the lie that God is holding out on you, God is not holding out on you. The Ephesians 1 verse 3's biggest message is that the, praise be to the God and Father who has blessed past tense. He's not a God who's holding out. It says, for God so loved that he gave. And he's not pulled his hand back since then. His hand has been outstretched to mankind ever since then, beckoning them, calling them wooing them. The God and Father who's calling you today into a deep understanding of the spiritual being that you are. 
what happens with this is that we become a portal to the open heavens. Wherever I go, if I'm permanently living in an open heaven, there's resources available, I step into an environment, the heavens are open over that environment. Access for other people. I can start being a kingdom releaser, somebody who does not release brokenness and apathy and negativity. I start understanding there's resources for me to distribute. The church shifts, the mindset shifts, and the church moves from trying to preach the hell out of people and starts trying to show them what heaven looks like. For too long, the church has been representing God with a big stick. The dominie up front and whips people. Get in line. But the problem is you can whip dead people for so, only so long. They will do nothing still. We need the life of God to make us alive. And we, I'm telling you, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the church at Corinth were wild and alive and extravagant and sinning, but Paul wanted, it was easier for Paul to lead them than to lead the church at Galatia who were dead. He said, who has bewitched you to the Galatians? Because they were dead in law. They were just trying to get by living in an earth reality. They've forgotten the blessings they've been given in Christ Jesus. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, it's easier to calm down a party than to raise the dead. I want to call us to more. Call us to more, to more excitement, to press into him. And it's easy to press into him. It's not a work because he has pressed fully into us. I press in because he has pressed into me. I'm finished. I want to pray. I really wrote here, I said, that when we understand our new nature and our new access, when our new nature and our new access collide in our thinking and our belief system, authority is released to the church like never before. I'm telling you, this world will not be changed by rhetoric, will not be changed by clever Twitter statuses, will not be changed by any amount of, of, of big mass organizational move. It'll be changed by sons and daughters who understand what heaven looks like. Because our mission, I will not cease until earth starts to look more like heaven. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you that you've got us on a journey as a church, as a people. Mark started three weeks ago and said, grace and peace to you. The invitation of God calling us. This is not a God who demands. This is a God who provides. Right now, I pray, God, would you break mindsets of unbelief right now over your sons and daughters. Over every person right now, God, you're opening up mindsets. As we sit here, if you have never responded to the grace of God, and you say, I'm dead, I try and I try, but there's no life in me. Sir, ma'am, I want to encourage you to reach out to the one who can save. He's the one who makes us alive. Do that now. If you are also somebody who says, oh, I, I'm, I feel alive, I've been stuttering along, I've been tripping over myself, I, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to turn, God is calling you God, and He's saying, I'm the one who leads you by the hand. You're a slave to righteousness, a slave to sin no longer. He's cutting the cord. Right now, God, I pray you're cutting the cord that, of the noose around our neck. You're cutting that right now. Where we've been pulled to and fro by the world, by sinful habits, sinful practices, you're cutting that, and you're saying you are, the old is gone, the new has come. Brand spanking new. If you can feel God working with you, just lift your hands. If God's working with you, just, just lift your hands to him.
hands going up here. Just lift, lift your hands. Not for me. Just to him. Open your hands to him. Father, I thank you for your spirit that's on these people. I pray, Father God, that you have more, that you have more, you have more. I thank you, God, you're just pulling off guilt and shame that is not from you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that here you say you convict us us of righteousness. You convict us of our righteousness. Do that right now in these hearts, men and women, today. God revealing to us that we have a new nature, a new access, and authority like never before. I thank you for your word. We humble ourselves at your word. Father, I pray for this church that we will dig into your word, we will dig into it, that we are not made just for earthly reality. We are made for heaven and earth to collide and for us to explore both, to know the resources of heaven so we can change earth here. I thank you, God, that this word affects our Mondays. It affects our Tuesdays, our Wednesdays, our high days, our low days. Because you're the same forever. The God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.